Good morning, everybody, Uneducated Economist here. So I want to share a few articles with you guys, mainly talking about supply chain issues and inflation. Now, this returning of the transitory inflation narrative, like there's a lot of economists out there who are warning against this, saying, hey, don't fall for this transitory inflation, that we are going to have inflation continuing on into the future with no end in sight. So don't fall for this. Now, I have to disagree with that. I do believe that the inflation is transitory. I think that inflation will be coming down the price inflation that we had experienced over the last couple of years. I believe a lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of it, because everybody seems to think that when I say that the, it was mostly due to a supply chain breakdown, a lot of people hear the words that it had nothing to do with the Fed. Now, that's not what I'm saying. Money printer go bird does cause prices to go up. But the main thing that happened during the pandemic was the severing of the supply chain. It was that's what caused the price inflation that we are experiencing. We had a huge supply chain in, uh, breakdown. The imbalance between supply and demand really ramped up after the stimulus checks were issued out as well. So when you have the Federal Reserve print up money, stimulate the economy, at the same time you have the severing of the supply chain, that wipes out all the inventory Next thing you know, there's supply and demand imbalances and prices start shooting up. Now, it's really easy to just blame it on the Fed, right? Money printer go burr, prices go up. What else do you need to look at? And now when we, and I've said it a while ago, that when the mandates came to an end, when all the restrictions finally came to an end, that you would see this inflation dissipate, there would be an equilibrium and we would no longer have this inflation story that we would be talking about. Now, the mandates have come to an end, and we are experiencing a more freeing economy as far as no restrictions go. Nobody's talking about jabs or, you know, showing off your COVID card in order to travel around. There's none of that taking place. There's, like, not that I have seen anymore. But in China, they have, right? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, and it's quite extreme to the point that they are causing some serious damage to their society, their economy, to everything that's going on over there. And now everybody, like everybody around the world has done given up on COVID except for China. And they're all looking at China going, what are you doing? Like, I mean, you have the zero COVID policy at this point, it's some sort of power trip that's taken place. So, and really that's what it is. And now that we look at what has happened in the supply chain due to the fact that the COVID restrictions that are happening in China is causing that imbalance to still take place around the world. And as long as you have a supply demand imbalance, then it's going to continue to cause inflationary scenarios. There's, there's no way around that. I mean, think about it. There are still issues with food and energy, right? These are two worldwide commodities. But what happened to lumber? Lumber is just a domestic commodity. It's produced domestically, it's sold domestically, it has a little bit of exports to it, but for the most part, it's just a domestic product, and now it's back at its all-time normal. <laughs> you know, Not all-time high, it's all-time normal. 400 per thousand. 
I mean, that is not something that is unheard of. So where did the inflation go when it comes to lumber? Right? Well, it isn't there. It's gone. So when it comes to China opening up their, their economy again, to me, once that has freed open, right, been opened up, right, is free again, and the manufacturing is ramping up, and the supply of goods and services are now free-flowing through the, through the borders again, and there's not a whole bunch of tariffs and pissed-off wars and stuff like that, then we can talk about how the, you know, inflation is coming to an end, right? But as long as those things are continuing, you're going to find that there's going to be imbalances everywhere. And not just in, like, you know, things like food and fuel, you're going to find it in all kinds of stuff. I mean, the idea that the strong dollar out there is destroying nations and corporations, you're going to find that continuing so long as the Federal Reserve is unwinding their balance sheet. These imbalances are not something that you can just say, hey, this is, this is going to be a long-term effect here because they're not typical. Wars aren't typical. Like, I mean, they're typical throughout history, but they're not typical for, you know, economic equation. You can't say, okay, including the Ukraine war in 20 years, you know, you can't like, you know, that's not a concept. The Ukraine war will be over by then. Well, hopefully it will be over by then. But you guys see where I'm kind of getting at on this stuff. Now, after the supply chain opens up, we're going to find that there was a lot of deglobalization taking place. And that's because of the war. That's because of the COVID restrictions in China. That's because, you know, the supply chain breakdown that was happening here in the United States. And now we need a more secure domestic supply of stuff. Okay. So once all that has taken place and everybody has their now localized domestic supply, they're going to find that the shipping is going to get very inexpensive. And it's already starting to happen. I mean, take a look at the freight rates that are that are dropping dramatically going from from China to L.A. Think about all the containers that are starting to pile up everywhere because there's nothing going back to China. I mean, this stuff is really starting to happen. There's there's going to be a huge wave. It's already starting to happen, but there's going to be even a bigger wave of truck companies going out of business. This stuff is really starting to take place. Once all this rippling effects have gone through and we find that equilibrium again, then we can start talking. Talking about the inflation scenario or the deflationary scenario. But right now, it's going to be volatility for the next couple of years. I mean, or even longer than that. It might even, you know, it might take 10 years to work through all this stuff. But when I think about how the domestic supply, the, the ramping up of domestic manufacturing, once the supply chain opens up again, you're going to find that foreign imports are going to be far cheaper than domestic supply. And when it comes to profits, that's what you're looking for, cheaper input costs. So an, another reason why we're going to find, you know, a disinflationary scenario coming up is because the shipping costs are dropping dramatically, but everything that's in the system right now has expensive shipping attached to it. It's going to take a while to work through all that stuff. Once it does, you're going to find competition is going to start dropping prices again. You know, you think about the money printer go burr. Back, let's, let's think about that for just a minute, right? Because everybody says, how can you not, like, just obviously see that all this money printing that the Federal Reserve has done is the reason why we have 
you know, all this inflation that has taken place around the world. But yet the inflation around the world isn't necessarily due to the Federal Reserve and their money printer. I mean, if foreign nations had their dollar, you know, attached one to one to, you know, pegged to the dollar, then, yeah, I could see where monetary policy would transfer through. But a lot of nations, they don't, you know, they don't react to the Federal Reserve or they don't need to. I mean, I guess a lot of them do it, but they don't need to do that. They were experiencing inflation all on their own from their own reasons of the of their own supply chain breakdown because of their own shooting in the foot from their COVID restrictions. And they all kind of did the same thing. So it's not like the Federal Reserve caused inflation around the world. All these nations caused inflation for themselves by severing their own supply chains and then having to deal with the worldwide breakdown of the supply chains. You know? And again, once the foreign competition finds its way in, we're going to find that it's, things are going to start coming down in price. It's, it's only a matter of time. And I think about, that's what I wanted to get back to. Sorry, I lost train of thought. Going back to the quantitative easing one, two, three, and four. That's another thing. Like when people say, how can you not see the money printer go burr is the reason why we're having all this inflation. It's just like, what happened back then? How come we don't see the inflation from quantitative easing one, two, three, and four? In fact, the Federal Reserve failed to achieve the 2% target that they were going for. And they took their balance sheet from $850 billion. Think about this. The Federal Reserve had a balance sheet of $850 billion in 2007. They took that to $4.5 trillion, $4.3 trillion, something like that. I mean, think about the amount of times the balance sheet doubled in order to go from $850 billion to $4.5 trillion. And then what did they do just recently? Doubled it? I mean, they didn't even come close to the amount of expansion that had taken place back in quantitative easing one, two, three, and four comparatively. Like, yeah, the dollar amount is a lot more, a lot more, but the balance sheet expansion in in doubling terms happened a hell of a lot more and bigger and broader back in 2007 than it did this time. Even though this time the dollar amount was quite extreme, it was a lot more than back then. But it it only doubled once. It didn't double what three times or whatever it did back then. So there's a lot of differences that are happening. And all that money printer, go burr, outside of the stimulus checks that were issued out to everybody, all the, and, and, well, that included on the long term. But all that money needs to be lent into the system in order for it to be in circulation. Not all of it, but the majority of it, right? In order for it to cause that inflation scenario. And most of that sits on the bank's balance sheets. All of it is due back with interest. Right. Uneducated economists. Links are down in the description. You let me know.